0: You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. So I mentioned this in the first service. As you know, Pastor Eric is out of town and his son Matthias is out of town who normally preaches when he's here. Jordan, the worship pastor, he is out of town. Scott Mercer left, so he can't preach to you. Uh, Jeremy Horton is speaking in Malvern, as he does, so he can't speak to you. Joe is here, so obviously he's made his dad mad because he's not speaking. Brad Cranston is here, but he wore shorts, so he can't speak this morning. So you got me. So I'm here. Um, And I did forget to tell this in the first service. Uh, Yesterday, Pastor Eric texted me and said, uh, you, you have to turn in. Which the, I think the last time I preached up here was 15 years ago, and we didn't have stuff on the screens. And this, the first service, this compute, this screen up here confused me to death. So I'm going to try not to look at that. I was trying to see what am I supposed to be saying next, but. 15 years ago, we didn't have stuff on the, the screen so, in the bulletin. So I had to turn all that stuff in this week. And so yesterday, Pastor Capacey texted me and he said, Hey, after reading through your notes, he said, I think I'm going to, he said, if you could announce that this is going to be a part one. And he said, I'm going to preach part two next week. And he said, just, just let the people know that this is going to be part one of this uh, sermon. Uh, and then part two would be next week. And at first I thought, oh, wow, man, he read my notes. And he really, this is cool. He wants to do part two. And I thought, Wait a minute. Maybe he's going to be like, "I need a whole sermon to fix what he's going to say this week." So I'm not really sure. I don't know if he's watching or that or not. But maybe that's what he's going to do is fix it next week. But yes, my name is Daniel Brown. I moved here in 2004. My wife Monica has been. She's from here. Uh, she has. Uh, she grew up here. And I was on staff here at Gospelite for I think about six years. And uh, now we attend the church, but uh, I work in the secular field. And so when Brother Eric asked me if I would come and speak, um, I actually did not tell him yes. I found out last Sunday whenever everybody else found out that I was going to speak, that that's when I was speaking. So here I am. And then yesterday, I was talking with Monica. I, didn't, I forgot all about that there's two services. And I was like, wait a minute, do I, do I preach both services? So yes, I did the first service, and here we are on the second service. I will say about half the people were asleep in the first service. So if half of y'all could go to sleep, it'd make me feel a lot better, a little bit more comfortable. So money. So we're talking about financial fitness. And when I said the word money, I would be willing to bet that most everybody in here had one of two feelings, just by hearing the word money. Some of you had this real warm, fuzzy feeling, money. Maybe you found some money in the parking lot. Maybe you went to the track yesterday and you won a bunch of money. If you did, don't tell us. But you had a warm feeling about money. It was this, this, this security blanket, this, oh man, money's great, everything's fine with money. I would also be willing to bet most of the people who had a feeling did not have a warm, fuzzy feeling. There was a negative feeling. You had a negative of connot- Just something came over you like money. Either, oh, we're going to hear about money. We need to give money. You're short of money. There's not enough money to pay the bills. Most of you, as with myself, when we hear the word money, there's this, ugh, this feeling of, ugh. We're missing the whole point. It's not about money. Money should not give us a feeling of, "whoo." money should not feel it, give us a feeling of negative. Money is not the point. And that's what I'm going to try for the next, I told the services this morning, I practiced this yesterday, and my message went anywhere from eight minutes to an hour and a half. So I'm really not sure where we're gonna land, somewhere in that eight minutes to an hour and a half. But I'm hoping that I can, at least change a little bit how you look at the concept of money. In 2012, I, over Christmas, uh, we went to my— uh, most of my—on my, on my uh, dad and mom's side is—my family's in North Carolina. And my uncle, Keith Norman, lives there. And he has been a huge influence uh, when it comes to uh, m- the concept of money. And I was at his house up in his, his office, and he was sitting across the desk, and I was complaining about all my money problems. I was com- complaining about I didn't have money to invest, and I didn't have money for this, and I didn't have money for, th- for that. And he just sat there and looked at me. When I got done doing all the complaining, he said, I said, so And Keith, my Uncle Keith is very, very good with money. And I said, so what do I need to do to fix it? And he said, money is not your problem. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Money's my whole problem. And he's like, no, it's not. You don't have a money problem. And he told me two, two problems that I had, two things I needed to fix. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. And I can honestly say those things have changed my life. And, and I'm not here to be an example at all. I'm here to be a cheerleader. I'm here to say, hey, this has changed my life. This concept has changed my life. And since 2012, I can, I can say that it has changed my whole outlook on the dollar bill, on the money. So... That's, that. that's the whole point of what we're going to try to do today is to change the way you look at money. Let's look in Matthew 25, if you have your Bibles or your phone, or if you don't, if you want to watch on the screen, the parable that Jesus uses to talk about money. Now, the, good thing, the neat thing about this parable is it starts off, it says, as the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated. Now, Jesus, the reason I know I can use this parable I asked a friend, I said, is it okay that I use this parable when it's talking about money? And he said, well, of course you can, because Jesus is using it to talk about money. But the concept that Jesus is talking about here is a concept of life in general. We could apply these same principles to our talents, to the bodies that God has given us. So it's not just about money, even though that's what we're going to focus on today. I had somebody at the end of the first service that came up to me, and they said, you know, I haven't really struggled with the money part, but they said, I've struggled with the physical, like uh, the healthy part. And they said, this was exactly what I needed when I applied it to eating healthy and eating right and losing weight. So the neat thing about this illustration, this parable that Jesus teaches here, is that it can be applied to so many ways in our life. So it's going to take just a little bit, but I want to read through this. You can follow along the screen if you want. Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to, to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who had received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned more, five more. The servant who had two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise, and he said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you have given me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you did not plant, Gathering crops you did not cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew I harvested crops I did not plant and gathered crops I did not cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver, to those who use well what they are given even more will be given and they will have abundance but to those who do nothing even what little they have will be taken away now throw this useless servant into outer darkness and there where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth now this story this parable that Jesus is using is such a powerful parable when it comes to money but if money is what you're getting out of this we're missing the whole point of the parable. You see, money is neither moral or immoral. Money is neither good nor evil. Money is amoral. Money, and I think this is, should be up on the screen, money is powerless outside of the influencer's hand. Money is simply an object. What makes money good or bad is not the money itself; it's what we're doing with the money. One of the things my uncle, as I sat there across from his desk, he said, "Daniel, he said you don't have a money problem. He said you will never ever make enough money to be happy. You will never ever make enough money to be wealthy. You'll ever never make enough money to have freedom. It's not about the money; it's about what you're doing with the money." I brought a spoon. If I said, hey, I've got a spoon, and I'm going to set that spoon right there, and there's a spoon. Well, there's a spoon. And somebody said, well, are you eating healthy? Oh, yeah, there's a spoon. I've got a spoon. I'm eating healthy. Does that mean I'm eating healthy because there's a spoon there? Now, If, if I am not health, healthy, can I say, well, the reason I'm not sp- healthy is that spoon. That spoon has made me very unhealthy. What if I pick that spoon up and I say, well, now I've got a spoon, so now I'm going to be healthy. Does that make, is this spoon going to make me healthy? Absolutely not. If I'm horizontally challenged, is it the spoon's fault? No, it's not the spoon's fault. It's what I'm doing with the spoon. The first thing I have to do is I have to control the spoon. I have to pick the spoon up. But then that's only the first step. The second step is I have to do something with the spoon. Human nature wants to blame the spoon. I won't get into gun control, but we could use this on gun control. Human nature wants to blame this spoon for what happens to me. Human nature wants to blame the money for our stress. Human nature wants to blame that dollar bill for our bondage. Human nature wants to blame that dollar bill for why we don't have, we can't pay our bills. But just like this spoon is not going to make me healthy, and just like this spoon is not going to make me overweight— Money is not going to make me successful, and money is not going to make me unsuccessful. It's what I'm doing with this spoon that makes the difference. It's the power of who's controlling the money and how you're controlling it. You know, there's a few things when we read a passage, it's always good to see what is Jesus saying, but it's always also good to see what is he not saying. And if you go through this passage, Jesus does not say it was bad to have money. Jesus never said it was bad. On the contrary, you see, he took the money from the poor, the person that only had one, and he gave it to the rich, the person who had more. He wasn't saying it's bad to have it. He's, hey, let's give him more. Jesus also says that the rich shouldn't give all their money away. So if you're sitting here today and, oh, he's going to talk about I've got some money and I need to give it away, no money's not the point. That's not what we're talking about. Jesus doesn't say you're supposed to give it all away. Jesus doesn't say we should desire to be poor. If anything, the guy who only had one talent, at the end of the parable, he got that talent jerked away from him. We're not supposed to desire to be like that guy. Jesus doesn't say it's more godly to be poor. And I think sometimes we get this concept that We've got to have nothing. We've got to be nothing to be godly. That is not what God is teaching here. God is teaching it's not about the money. It was never about the five talents or the two talents, the, the five bags of silver or the two bags of silver or the one bag of silver. Silver. It was about what did they do with what I gave them? What did they do? What were they influencing? The, the resource that I gave them. The first question that I want you to ask yourself today is a question, and, and there's some people in this room that work for me. They know I, I work on this every single day of my life. These two things, and these are the two things that my uncle, sitting across my desk 13 years ago, talked to me, or 11 years ago, talked to me and impressed and, and on me, and it changed the way I approached finances. The first question that I asked myself Every single day, multiple times a day. And I challenge you to ask yourself is, are you controlling your money? Are you telling your money where to go? Now, I would be willing to bet if I asked most people, are you controlling your money? Well, yeah, of course I am. It's my money. I'm controlling it. But are you really? If if we broke up every family unit in here, So if you're sitting by yourself you're single, you would be by yourself. If if you've got a family, Dave Wilkie and his wife would get together. And I split everybody up in groups. And you're all in your little groups. And I said, okay, I want you to look around the room. And I want you to pick one group that is financially stable. Which group would you pick? Now, and I'm not talking about being unselfish. We're going to talk about generosity later. But we should pick our group. My family. You know, I'm not trying to be mean. I don't hate the Sims, but if somebody's got to make it financially, I want it to be my family. Because guess what? Marlena Sims works for me. If I'm not financially stable, can I help Marlena? Not at all. If Marlena's not financially stable, can she not help her kids? Absolutely not. So we want to make sure that our our family is financially stable. And I think everybody would say, yeah, we should be that way. But do we live that way? Do you really tell your money where to go? So I, I have an illustration, and I know a picture's worth a thousand words, and I said this in the first service. For those of you know who, me, who know me, I like to use a picture and a thousand words. You're still going to get your thousand words in. So this is, and I'm sure most of you have seen this before, but I, I did this yesterday. I was practicing this yesterday at my house, and Wyatt and Bryce came out, and they were like, what are you doing, Dad? What are you doing? So I, the first couple times, I— and ignored him, and then I was like, okay, I'll tell you what I'm doing. And so when I did this, <laughs> Wyatt looked at me, his eyes got real big, he said, Dad, that's magic. And this isn't magic. And it's a very basic illustration, but a lot of people, uh, you've seen it, but again, picture's worth a thousand words. So this is an example of our lives. We have our life, and if we could just for illustration's sake, this is, you got paid on Friday, and you're gonna fill, you're gonna take your paycheck, and you're gonna fill up this is a picture of your week until you get paid next week, and you're going to fill up your life. So the first thing you do is, is we've, got, we've got some small little rocks, sand. We've got some bigger rocks. We've got some medium-sized rocks, and we've got some larger rocks. The smaller rocks, these rocks are a picture of the small things in our lives. These are, I know I'm meddling here, but this is your Starbucks. Uh, get your Starbucks that you go to, <clears throat> Monica, four or five times a week. Um, these are your, uh, the little pleasures that we have. And when you get paid, man, we got a paycheck. We're going to go to Starbucks. When we, I mean, if, if you study business in town, businesses will tell you that Fridays, that's when, you know, things like Starbucks and the small, they just boom. Because everybody got money. They just went and got their money and we're going to put that in our life. Oh, that's important. We got to put that in there. The next thing would be, your next biggest thing. These would be things like, uh, your Disney Plus, your Hulu. I say those like I know what those things are. I really, I'm not sure what those are. I just see them on my credit card statement. And uh, so, you like the the smoke? I didn't do that on purpose. It's not really smoke. It's just kind of an illusion, but the the little dust there. So, and we put those things in our life. The next biggest things, you know, we're like, oh yeah, we've got to have our our internet. We've got to have our dish bill, and we've got to have our pleasures, and we put those things. Then we come to the next, the bigger things in our life, like a House payment, a car payment, and we put the house payment in, and we put the car payment in, and oh, we've got to have those. We've got, to, we've got to take a Disney vacation. Those are important, and then we get to ourselves. We get to investing. We get to saving some money. We'll talk about emergency funds in a little bit, and we. Oh yeah, well, hey, we've got. To, oh yeah, we've got to, We've got to invest a little bit. We need to invest. We need to invest in some others, and we'll talk about that a little bit. And we try to get it in, and we're like, well, it it really doesn't. I got a little bit in. So, hey, I got a little little bit for myself. And then we get to giving God His. And we're like, well, now we've got to tithe. We've got to give to the Lord. We've got to give to the, the school. We want to give some, and there's just no room for it. And we just, we can't make it fit. Here's my challenge to you that's the way most of us live. And if I'm not careful, that's the way I live. It's just normal that we just run out, we got our money, and we start spending. And for some reason, the big things always get pushed to the last. But what if we took in on Friday, which some of y'all just got paid Friday, and here it is Sunday, and you haven't given to the Lord yet, you said, well, maybe what, what if we do that first? So you give to the church first, and then you say, hey, you know, if anybody makes it, it should be us. It should be myself, my family. So I'm going to invest. I'm going to put some back in an emergency fund, and you put that in. Then you say, okay, well, now I've got my car payment, and you put your car payment in. I did this in the first service in the, the rocks jam, so we're going to try to do this to where the rocks don't jam. So I put, you put your house payment in, you put your car payment in, and then now you're down to, okay, now I need to pay my internet bill, I need to pay my cell phone bill, I need to pay the Hulu bill, I need to pay the the smaller things, and you pour all that in, and then you get down to Starbucks, and you get down to your McDonald's uh, runs, and your late night uh, Taco Bell runs, and you start putting all of the smaller things in, and you end up having Enough room to fit everything in your life. And at the end of the week, when you sit there, and the last time we did it, we had rocks all the way piled up to here. And there's no way you could fit everything in. Now, if you go back and you stop and think about the first question that I asked, where I said, are you controlling your money? And most people would say, yes, I am controlling my money. But are we really controlling our money? If you don't tell your money where to go, someone else is going to tell your money where to go. In just a little bit, most of you are going to turn on the TV and you're going to watch NFL football. I I asked the sound booth, I said, now how do I know when I'm supposed to be done? And Brad Cranston said, when you see the Steelers game on the screen, you're supposed to be done. The Steelers play at noon, so that's my cue to, to be done. When you watch those commercials, everything that you watch is going to be telling you where your money should go. Every commercial is going to say, you need to buy this. You need to spend this. You need to get this subscription. It's going to tell you where your money needs to go. If you're not telling your money where where it needs to go, if you're not controlling that spoon, somebody is going to control it for you. Somebody is going to tell your money where to go. And nobody is looking out for your best interest like you are. If you're not telling your money where to go, who is? And do they have your best interest in mind? Absolutely not. And I know the boys say it's magic, but it's not. It, 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 somehow this always works. When you put the big rocks in first, you, you give to the Lord, you invest, you do the things, the bigger things first, somehow you always have room at the end to fit all of the little stuff in there. I, I, I used this illustration earlier. I probably shouldn't have said his name, but I've got a referee friend, and a few years ago, we were refereeing at a clinic in Wichita, Kansas, and he asked me, he said, he said hey, he said, I've heard you kind of do some financial stuff. He said, could, could I take you out to lunch? My wife and I are struggling financially. He said, would you be able to help us? And I said, well, I don't know if I can really help you, but I said, I'll tell you what I do. And so we went to McDonald's, and we sat down, and I said, he said, and at the time, they were making well over $100,000 a year, way more than I was making. And, and I was like, maybe you should be teaching me. You're making a whole lot more than I was. And he said, uh, he said, no, he said, we struggle. We just, we just never have enough money. And I said, okay, well, the first thing is show me your budget. Let me, let me see where you're spending your money. And he just looked at me and he said, my budget? What do you mean the budget? And I said, well, show me how you spend your money each week. What, how do you? tell all your money where to go, and his eyes lit up, and he goes, oh, he said, my wife and I have a a thing that it's the more on Friday plan, and I said, what do you mean the more on Friday, and he said, well, we both get paid on Friday, and he said, so we just start spending, and you know, we do whatever we need to do, and if it's Wednesday or Thursday, and we're broke, we don't have any money left, he said, we just look at each other, and we're like, hey, don't worry about it, we're getting more on Friday, and he said, that's our budget, the more on Friday plan. And unfortunately, that's probably how most of us live. That's not controlling your money. That's not telling your money where to go. I would, I would be willing to bet if most people, not everybody, but a lot of people, if you got, let's just use round numbers, we'll just say $1,000. If you got paid $1,000 on Friday, last Friday, not this past Friday, the Friday before, and you took $1,000 that you got paid and you made a list— of everything you spent between last Friday and this past Friday. You, you write it all down. And I said, okay, write this down. And so you write down house payment and you write down car payment and you write down, oh, we, we went to the fair and we did this and we did that. Most people can account to, for about 70% of their money. The other 30%, you're going to be like, Well we're at $700. I know I did something with the other 300 because I don't have it, so I know it's somewhere. Where would it go? You didn't tell it where to go. You have no idea where it went. It went in somebody's pocket. But it was somebody's pocket that you didn't direct it. Controlling your finances is the first step to understanding this concept of being financially fit. The... You know, you may, and I won't get a lot into the, the budgeting. That's a whole not, that's what Dave Ramsey's for. If you're not signed up for the Dave Ramsey, um, I highly advise you to sign up for that. Dave Ramsey can teach you uh, the envelope system. Uh, my mom used the envelope system for, for years and years. Um, the envelope system is a great system, but I won't get into teaching you about the the, the budgeting. That's what Dave Ramsey can help you with. But if you're not controlling your money, if you're not telling every single, you should be able, if you got paid $1,000 last Friday, you should be able to sit there and write down where every single dollar went. If you didn't, you're not controlling your money. The second principle, and this is the one we'll spend a little bit more time on, that my uncle taught me, is, Daniel, the first thing is you have to pick up the spoon. You have to control the spoon. The second thing is, are you being are you using biblical methods to control it? now, when I say biblical methods, biblical methods for finances are the same regardless of whether you 're a Christian or not. God has placed certain laws for humanity, and sometimes we as Christians we get this concept that oh well if it 's in the Bible it's for us, and if you 're not a Christian that 's not going to apply you take gravity God designed the law of gravity, right? So does that mean gravity only applies to people sitting in this building? No. Gravity applies to everyone, saved, lost, Christian, non-Christian. It's a law. God has placed in, our, in the Bible certain laws, certain methods about controlling finances that are the same regardless. You know, the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There are certain methods that are methods, regardless of whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, if you practice them, they will work. The first method is the, hands down, the most important method, and if you can grasp this concept, it will change your life. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not real big on, oh, we've got to change our lives, and we'll talk a, we'll talk a little bit later about little steps, the, the, the principle of being a good steward Method number one, are you being a good steward of what you have been entrusted with? In Matthew 25, 14 through 29, and we won't read through all these, so Millie, you can just kind of, I'm going to start reading, and I'll stop here in a little bit, and you can just stop scrolling on the screens when I stop. But Matthew in 14, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, and I want you to remember this phrase, and entrusted his money to them while he was gone, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then here's the other phrase I want you to remember He then left on his trip. The first thing I want you to notice about stewardship, and if you can grasp this concept, everything we have, every dollar we have, and I know this is cliche. You've, for those of you who've been going to church, you've heard this all your life. But we don't really understand it. It's not ours. God entrusts us with it. Here it says that this master went on a trip and he entrusted his servants with his money. the The concept of what I've got—if I realize—I think most of us do a pretty good job of saying, "Well, it's not mine." We, we understand that part. Oh, it's not mine. But do we understand that it's God's money? Do we understand that God gave us this? And okay, so we understand it's not mine, but do we understand whose it is? Do we understand that God has given us and now He's gonna see what we do with it? That's the first thing that we've gotta understand is that this money is not ours. The second, and I love this, it says, He left, He then left on His trip. He took His possessions gave it to his servants, and then he turned around and walked away. Now, that's kind of scary because God's not sticking around to make us be good stewards. We've got to be a good steward all by ourselves. So, I've got my youngest son, Bryce, is eight, and my son, Wyatt, is ten. and They were, they were going to come this morning, and then they got to the kids' light, and they said, no, we don't want to go hear Dad preach, which is probably good because they'd have probably got up and left during the middle of me using this illustration, but... So we go to Dollar General. They love to go to Dollar General because you can take five dollars and buy a whole cart full of tools at Dollar at, or uh, toys at Dollar General. So we go to Dollar General, and I give them each five dollars, and they go to the toy aisle. And, and if, maybe I'm the only weird parent that does this, but I I can't help but follow them. And Bryce especially will pick out the most obscure toy, the toy that's going to break the fastest, the toy that's going to annoy us the most. <clears throat> And what do I do? I stand up, no, don't buy that toy. Now, that $5 I gave them, that's gone. That's out of my pocket. Why do I care what he's doing with that $5? Because I want him to make a smart choice. I want him to make a smart decision. And even though it's just a toy, I still want to impose my direction on him. God doesn't do that to us. God has given us the free will. God says, hey, here's, I'm giving, I'm entrusting you with this. And then he turns around and he walks away. That's a really scary thing when you stop and think about it that I've just been given all of this and now it's my responsibility to be a good steward of that money. The principle of stewardship is practiced by everyone in society either very well or poorly. We were, a couple weeks ago, we were... uh, We were coming back from somewhere, and the kids wanted to go to Sonic. I think maybe I'd picked them up at school. I never understand how they go to school, they eat lunch, and as soon as they get in the car, they're starving. You know, y'all just had lunch. How are you starving again? So they wanted to go through Sonic, so we ran through Sonic. And we're sitting there at Sonic, and our uh, girl who was waiting on us, she had come and gone two or three times, but there was a girl that kept passing in front of the truck. And every time she would go past, she was walking uh, this way. She would be holding her eye like this. And I'm just sitting there as the Wyatt and Bryce, I'm sure they were fighting in the front seat, and Tatum was in the back seat yelling at them. And I'm just noticing this girl back and forth, and she's holding her eye. Well, so f- finally she came by one side one time, and she had this gauze over her eye with a big tape patch. It was obviously a medical patch on her eye. And I've, I've had uh, an eye injury before. I was playing basketball when I was, I think, maybe 17 and I went to do a spin move, and the defense thought I was going the other way. And so he went in to steal the ball, and his thumb caught me in the corner of my eyeball. And I had 17 stitches on the white part, the conjunctival of my eye, 17 stitches on my eyeball itself. And it was one of the most painful things I've ever been through. And, you know, every time I would blink, you got that, those, your eyelid catching those 17 stitches. So I would hold my eye for like three days. I laid there, just hold it, because if you hold your eye, it doesn't blink, and you don't get that movement. So I know what this girl's going through. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, Marlena's worked for me for 10 years. I can't get her to come to work healthy. And here I've got this girl who's out here working, and I'm just picking on Marlena. But I'm sitting here thinking, this, is, this girl has no idea that she's being a good steward of the job she was given. And here she is working whole, literally in enough pain that she's holding her eye. So I pull I out, so, and, and it, this is not like a super spiritual thing. This is, God just laid it on my heart, and said, Hey, pull out the biggest bill I had in my wallet. And I pulled it out and I set it on my knee, and I was waiting for her to come back by. And Wyatt said, Dad, why do you have that, that bill out? Why do you have that bill out? Why do you have that? And Bryce, who's the eight year old, he said, and as only Bryce can, he's got this weird little voice, Dad's gonna give that money to her because she's working hurt. And I had not said anything about why I pulled that bill out. I just had it laying on my, my leg. And I just looked at him, and, and again, I had no idea I was going to preach. I didn't know I was going to preach a sermon last week. I found out when all of y'all did. But I had no idea I was going to preach this sermon. This was not a, a made-up illustration for this. And so, of course, we gave the girl the money, and she started crying. And, and here's what I thought when I was preparing for this message. I thought back to that sermon, uh, that illustration, and I thought, here's an 8-year-old boy who understood the principle of being a good steward, and he had no idea what stewardship was. It's a law. It's a principle. Also, this girl, had if you would have walked up to that girl and said, hey, why did you get that money? She wouldn't have said, because I'm being a good steward of my job. She wouldn't have said that. She, didn't even, she probably doesn't even know what stewardship was. But she was being a good steward of what God had given her, and guess what? She got blessed with more. Are we being good stewards Of what God has given us, Um, you know the the don't let society tell you what financial success is. Okay, society wants to tell us that if we're not driving the BMW and if we're not living in the big, huge, fancy house, that we're not being successful. Remember the parable. God says He gave five to one, five bags of silver to one person, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last and what did he say according to their ability okay when you have are controlling the spoon we should never be content with the action of the spoon okay now, now follow me here don't be content and we're going to talk a little bit later about being content don't be content with the action of the spoon be content with what's on the spoon because what's on the spoon is either one of two things either a that's what you have done the action well enough that God put it on there. It's your responsibility or your fault for what's on that spoon. Don't let society tell you, oh, you should have more on your spoon. Be content with what you have on your spoon, and if you're following the biblical principle of stewardship, it's going to work. It may not work the five talents, the five bags of silver. It may be the one bag of silver. But if you follow these stewardship principles, it will work out. The next principle method, biblical investing versus savings. Now, most people, when we talk about money and we say, we want to be good with money, we say, oh, well, we need to go save our our money. Again, if it's about money, then yes, we should go get all the money we can and we should bury it, right, because it's about money. This is not about the dollar bill. It's about what we're doing with the dollar bill. Saving, in this parable, God said, you wicked and lazy servant. That guy saved his money. And, well, oh, wait a minute. He saved his money, and got, yet God is saying, you wicked and lazy servant? But he saved his money. Again, it's not about the money. If it's about the money, then that, that last servant, would have been, he would have been the man. It's about what we're doing with the the money, investing. Now, when I say investing, if I use the term ROI, return on investment, what are most people, most everybody, myself included, up until about 12 years ago, we would say, well, if I'm going to take $5 and I'm going to invest that $5, then I should get $10 back, right? What did Jesus say he was going to give them? He said he was going to, can anybody tell me? What did you, he's going to give them more what? Responsibilities. God didn't say, I'm going to give you more money. He said, I'm going to give you more responsibilities. I'm going to give you more, uh, more chances to be a good steward. Jeff Manthe, and I don't think he's in this service. He was in the first service. So I want you to think about this concept. So Jeff Manthe, God has given Jeff Manthe a paycheck. Jeff and Courtney have chosen to take some of their money, and they have adopted three boys. They have invested their money in those foster children that they have adopted. Now, for those of you who know those boys, how much money do you think those boys are putting back in the pockets of Jeff and Courtney? None. They're costing, children cost us money. So wait a minute, well, if Jeff is investing in those boys, how is he getting a return? We need to change the concept that when we invest, we need to get money back. When I gave that bill to that girl at Sonic, I'm not expecting anything, no money back from that. Now, I wasn't expecting anything back. Could it be, and just for the sake, we don't know, but for the sake of the illustration, could God be setting up in heaven and he looks down on Jeff Manthe and he says, look at this, look at him investing in three children that no one wanted. Nobody wanted these kids, and he took these kids and invested. You know what? Let's add five years to Jeff's life. We don't know. God says that he is going to bless us. We don't know how he's going to bless us. So when, you, when we talk about investing, don't get in your mind that investing means I'm going to get money back. Because I think all of us would agree there's a lot of things in life that are way more important than money. But why do we always assume that investing means we're getting money back? Our health, our cars that don't break down—we don't know. We won't know till we get in heaven. Get to heaven, and and who knows? Maybe God will tell us. Maybe He won't. But maybe God says, "Hey, you know, you gave that bill to the, the the girl at Sonic. You were supposed to have a flat tire the next day, but I took care of the flat tire." We don't know. We don't know how God's giving back to us. But we've got to realize that investing is giving to, being a good steward of our money, taking our money and doing something with it by using biblical principles. I'm sure some of y'all have heard this before, but this sheet was something that my uncle, and I've kept it in my planner. My uncle gave me this in 2012, and I, I keep it in my planner everywhere I go. And it's the illustration of investing and compounding investments. If I told you, this is September, we have 30 days. So if I said, hey, I want you to come work for me. We're gonna mow yards and paint houses and we're gonna do some construction work and I'm gonna pay you one of two ways. I'm gonna give you your payment option. You can get a million dollars for one, for 30 days, one month. I'm gonna pay you a million dollars or I'm gonna give you a penny on day one. And I see some of y'all smiling because you've heard this before. So I'm gonna give you a penny on day one And day two, I'm going to double that penny. So now you're going to get paid two pennies, right? And day three, you're going to get how many pennies? Four. Now, day 15, before you answer the question, day 15, you're going to get $163.84. Now, which would you pick? A million dollars or a penny double the day? remembering that on day 15, you're getting $163.84. Which one would you pick? Now, we're not going to have everybody stand up and tell us. A lot of people are going to pick the million dollars. Does anybody want to guess? Does anybody know how much it is on day 30? Does anybody know? Does anybody want to just take a guess? Everybody's scared to guess? Day 30. Make sure I'm reading it right. $5,368.00. Seventy-nine, five million three hundred $5,368,709.12. Now, what if you had 31 days in the month? Now you just went from $5,000,000 to $10,737,418. That is the principle of compounding your investments. When you start investing in one missionary, and one missionary turns into two, and two turns into four, and four... T- when you understand this concept of investment. Now, and I don't want to get too much in the financial side because that's what Dave Ramsey's for, but the 30, 30 days is a picture of our lives. The 30, most people work for 30 years. We get halfway through our lives and we look down and we got $163. And we're like, huh, I've been working half my life and I got $163. I should have chose that million. And we don't realize we're so close if we just keep following the biblical principles of investing Versus savings. Is God adding time to your life? Is God adding vehicle success to your life? We don't know all the ways that God could be blessing us. The next thing, are you content with your financial status? This is a big, we live in a world where, and we've touched on this earlier, where society tells us when we're successful society tells, well, if you're not wearing this name brand clothes, and ladies, if you don't have the designer bag, and if we're not driving a certain car, and, and you know, you park at the end of the parking lot because you're embarrassed of what you're driving? Why? Why let society tell us that what's on our spoon is bad or not good? You're controlling your spoon. God's giving you, according to your ability, what's on your spoon. Be content with what you have. Now, remember, We're not content with the process of our spoon. If your spoon's sitting there, you shouldn't be content with it. If you have the spoon in your hand, but you're not using biblical principles, you shouldn't be content with it. But if you've got the spoon, you're following biblical principles, you're putting the big rocks in first, you're putting the most important things in first, be happy with what you've got. Be content with what you've got. Again, it's not about the money. It's about the process. God's entrusted you according to your ability. He knows what you can handle. I had somebody recently, I was going through some problems, and somebody said, I wouldn't give anything to deal with your problems. Well, guess what? God's given me the ability to deal with my problems. That's totally different than somebody else could handle a whole lot more than I could. Maybe I can handle more than some. But when we're content with what's on our spoon, we can handle it because that's what God has given us. The uh, next thing, are you relying on your financial status? Are you relying on your financial status? You get a raise at work. As soon as you get the raise, you run out and get a new car. You run out and try to get a new, a bigger house, go buy better clothes. Are you, every time you get a little bit more money, are you raising that level of, of, of that standard of living? If you are, you're relying on your financial status to raise who you are. Be happy with who you are. You should be the same person whether you make $500 a week or whether you make $10,000 a week. You should be the same person if if it's not about money, if you're following the process. Do you seek approval from others by the money that you've got, the, the things you can buy with the money that you've got? That's a miserable way to live. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close here. I've got to be I'm done here in just a few minutes before Brad puts the football game up on the screen. This money can be, a very, it can be a very overwhelming subject. Like when we started, and I would v- be willing to think that most people in here probably had that negative feeling, that, that heaviness that money can cause. And when you talk about fixing money problems, it can be very overwhelming. Slow growth is permanent growth. In a minute, instead of an invitation, we're going to do something. We're going to talk about how to, how to take baby steps. But pick something and say, this is what I'm going to fix. If we took, and I asked you to go home this afternoon, and I said, I want you to take in anything that's negative in your life financially. It, it, it just, wait, your car payment. It just, oh, my car payment's due. Your cell phone bill. And you make a list of everything that you struggle with financially. That Just anything, if you think of it, and it's like, oh, write it down and make a list. Then I want you to split that list into two categories. The first category is anything that you had a decision in making that caused that. Did you decide to buy that car? Well, that goes in this list. Did you decide to get the newest, latest iPhone? It goes on this list. Did you decide to put your credit card or your vacation, your fancy vacation on a credit card? Now that credit card bill is weighing heavy on you. Put it in this list. Then on this side is stuff that you have zero control over. Okay? And, and, and this may be a little harsh, but you say, well, somebody sideswiped me. Somebody hit me, and they didn't have insurance, and I didn't have insurance to cover them not hitting it. So that goes in this list. Well, who decided not to have liability insurance Or comprehensive, I think it's comprehensive. Who decided that? You did. Well, that goes in this list. You made a decision to not have comprehensive. That goes in this list. I would be willing to bet if your life is like mine, most of the stress that we deal with in finances is all going to be on this side. It's choices that we have made. Now, here's why that's exciting. You know, Anybody tell me, why is it so exciting that all of these stressors are our fault? Because if we made the decisions to put all these stresses in our life, who can make the decisions to take them away? We can. If it's not our fault, if if you add that list up and you got 20 things over here and two or three things over here, you're in trouble because you can't do anything about that. I always want to have the problem be my fault because if it's my fault, I can fix it. If it's Brother Doug Gully's fault, I can't fix it. That's his fault. I can't do anything about it. I want it to be my fault. So the when you go home and you make that list and you've got all these things over here that you have put in your life that are adding because you weren't controlling the spoon or because you weren't using biblical methods to control the spoon, you weren't putting the big rocks in first. Start fixing those. But here's my challenge. Don't go out of here and sell your car tomorrow. Don't go say, "Honey, we're selling the house." Little steps. Take baby steps. Take one step at a time. The last thing that I wrote down here is do something. When I talk to people, when people will come and ask me, hey, can you, can you help me with this financial thing? Or, I, I talk to people all the time. And I'll be careful because very rarely do I see anybody do anything. Very rarely. They, everybody wants to talk about it, but nobody wants to do anything. And I think the reason why is because we look at this mountain that we've created. We look at our bank bank statements. We look at our credit card bills. We look at this mountain that we've created, and we don't know how do we attack this mountain? How do we start this? I mean, and so we just don't do anything. Here's my challenge. Do something. Instead of an invitation, and we did this in the first service, instead of an invitation where you come to the altar, here would be my challenge. Stay in your seat. Take out your phone. Take out a pen and a piece of paper. And write down one thing. Just one could be little that you're going to do one step to some of you say, I need to start controlling my finances. I'm not putting the big rocks in first. I'm putting all the little stuff in first. Or maybe you do have your spoon and you're controlling it some, but you're not using biblical methods. You're not being a good steward. You're not investing. You're not investing in others, investing in the Lord, investing in the school, investing in the champion college. You're not doing the things that God says, hey, in this parable, guys, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Pick one thing, write it down, and all week long, work on that one thing. That's it, just one. And then next week, pick one more. And then the next week, you pick one more. It's developing healthy habits. It's changing your mindset. No one in this room is ever going to have enough money to fix all their problems. It's not going to happen. I mean, look at celebrities and baseball players and the athletes that make millions and millions of dollars and they're miserable and they're broke and they're bankrupt. They had all the money in the world, but they didn't understand that it's not about the money. And I promise you this, I've seen it happen over and over. If you will grab the spoon, you'll take control of your finances. not saying you're going to fix it all this week. And you start using biblical methods you're going to start seeing things change. And you're going to be like, you know, it's not about the money, but, man, look at the process that I'm going through. And it's going to excite you to do another one and then do another one. And then by week three or four, man, you got two or three things. Maybe for a lot of you in here, when Joe starts singing, maybe it's, hey, we need to sign up for the Dave Ramsey class. Some of y'all can give by texting. You can give online. Maybe you got paid Friday and you haven't put that big rock of giving in. Maybe during the invitation, you need to pull out your phone and say, hey, I'm gonna make a note, maybe give right now. I'm gonna put that big rock in, but pick one thing out. Only one thing, don't do two. Because if you do two or three, you're gonna overwhelm yourself. And then say all week long, this is all I'm doing. And then the next week and the next week. And I promise you, if you can do it for a few weeks, you're going to start saying, man, this works. Financial freedom has nothing to do with money. That spoon, that dollar bill is not going to give me any freedom. But when I pick it up, I control that dollar bill, and I use God's methods to do it. It's amazing what can happen. Brother Eric is going to continue the message next week. I think he's preaching on generosity. We can't be generous if we're not controlling and being good stewards and following biblical methods. We can't be generous. We don't have any resources to be generous with. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a wonderful Sunday to get to come to your house, study your word. I pray you'll just help each person here today to consider their, their status as these three servants. And I pray you'll just help each person to not look at the entire mountain, but to take one step at a time and say, what can I do to be a better manager of the resources that God has given me? We pray these things in your name, amen.